Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Give, give God some praise. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You can, you can um, sit down. Thanks, thanks, Ben. Do I, can I pull this down from here? Hopefully that doesn't mess the camera up. Welcome everybody watching online. Listen, to be here, um, so for Jess and I, and we've got our three kids here and hanging out with Pastor Kim and, jo, uh, uh, Kim and Josiah's kids, and they're like pretty much the same age, and it's just amazing. But to be here, Pastor Dave and Kim, uh, really, well, first of all, I've got to acknowledge the depth of the anointing that is present in the worship. I don't want anyone in this room to ever take for granted the sacrifice and the level of the anointing that is present in this church. It really is not normal. And it reminds me of the olives being pressed. How you get olive oil out of olives is but through pressing. And so I can only imagine, and we've exchanged some stories, that there's been an element of pressing over the years. But the evidence, and people could walk in, visitors can walk in and feel something that they don't know how to put their finger on and for other people to come and that there was a price paid long before anyone, long before people walked through these doors. And I know that to be the same in uh, Kelowna and Revelstoke as well. But it really is truly an honor to be here. And I'm not, I'm not saying that as flattery. Like this is, this is family and man, just already so touched by God. His presence is here. I just, as you lean into it, and even if you're brand new to church, if you're feeling, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, we had this guy come into our church, and he's from a Hindu background, and, um, and he was in our church, and I might have been even the same Sunday that Pastor Dave was with us, and, uh, and he's just like, man, there's, I feel something here, I don't know what it is, I'm like, I do, like, that's God, that's, that's God, and he said it to me like six times, and he's like, I'm just, I don't know, there's something in the air, and I'm like, no, no, no I've already told you six times <laughs> that that is in fact God, he's, he's reaching out to you, and uh, so we're in touch and still talking, and he's awesome, he works, uh, he works directly for the uh, the premier of uh, Ontario, and we're just really praying for that office and praying for what God is doing in the pol- in the political world, and that uh, we need politicians that can recognize the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. But it's so good to be here. And honestly, I posted a photo this morning, and a friend of mine um, sent me through a photo. I posted a photo. I was just sitting by the lake and with the rolling hills, and I was thinking to myself, "Man, this is you." I hope you understand where you live. Like, it is simply paradise. It's like, and he sent me a photo of Galilee, uh, Jesus, where where he preached the Sermon on the Mount and the lake and everything there. And he's like a pretty, and I'm like, it, this is the holy land. Like, it, it is seriously like carbon copy. I don't know if you knew that, but, uh, it could very well be like, right. It's just absolutely remarkable. And what a, what a special place. And we've been having such a good time here. And we're definitely coming back as much as we can. Um, it's so good. So as much as I hope that this morning blesses you, and I really do believe that the Holy Spirit has a word. And if you turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
Uh, this is a really, really remarkable chapter of the Bible um, as, as Paul is encouraging the Corinthian church. But as much as I hope this blesses you, I, I've, you should know that we're being so blessed right now. So blessed right now. And while you're turning now, I'm going to get my iPad going. So, there, God, God has a mission for you and I. You are created on this planet with a call from God. It's a sense of mission. It's a vocation. You had mission and you had vocation before the fall. Work wasn't a result of the fall. Work was before the fall. Just because sin entered the world doesn't mean that there isn't that, that, that's, well, that's the result of why we have to toil through life. No, no, no. There is a toiling and there's a vocation that God has for you and I. But the reality is, is life can, uh, can hit us in the face over and over and over again. Adversity can come. And I'm not just talking to people that feel like they're, they're at the beginning of things and, and they feel like the life's before them and they've had some hard times getting out the gate. I could be talking to anybody in the room and you feel you might be feeling in some way, shape or form tapped out. You might be feeling like that you're losing heart. And that's what this passage is about. It's a call to not lose heart and keep your eyes fixed on eternity. That there is an eternal purpose. And we can, the quickest way to lose heart is to have our vision shortened down to the temporal things of the day. Because short vision, really the antidote to sin is vision. Vision in God, vision for eternity, vision empowered by Jesus to know what your grace to do, what I'm grace to do. And as you and I each individually say yes to God, corporately as a church community, we are together saying yes to God. So there is a vision that God has for C3 Vernon, C3 Revelstoke, C3 Kelowna, and other locations that will be started. And, and God's vision is actually given momentum by our obedience and it's not just together we're just not obedient on Sunday together and we sing holy is God and everything and we say yes to God and then but no it's obedient through the week there is little things that you are called to say yes to but it can get exhausting if we're honest we can fade away at times and if God said to you today and gave you a prophetic word this is the next step for you and I believe he does because we say, God, give us our word daily. Give us the word daily. And God wants to call you. And but sometimes he can call us to the next thing at some of the most inconvenient moments where we feel like I've got no more energy to say yes again. Like, do you not understand, God, what I'm going through? And why would you call me in this moment? Are you that insensitive to my circumstances? And this is what the Corinthian church were feeling at the time because they, Christianity was just birthed right now. And it was a complete overthrow of the way the system of the day was. And there was immense opposition against believing in the resurrection of Christ and, and actually the fellowship that they were trying to develop and the community that they were trying to build, essentially like launching churches and building community and, and treating one another. And there, it wasn't just... It wasn't just the political climate of the day that was opposing the Christians. That when you say yes to God, when you're in the bullseye of your calling and your obedience in God, every time that you say yes to God or every time you say no to something God's not in, at the same time, you're in the crosshairs of the devil. The devil ain't taking out someone that's not really making a difference for the kingdom. 
if, if you're a non-event for the devil, then uh, maybe you need to reconsider some of the decisions that you're making. But the moment that you start saying yes to God or the moment that you stop, stop meddling in this thing and you stop messing around in this area because you know it's a distraction and you know it's sin and you know it's not something that you should be doing and you start making convicted decisions to say yes to God, which is what you should do. At that same time, the devil doesn't want you doing that. And so it's not even all, but the Bible says don't lose heart. So let's just read the text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore, since through God's mercy, thank you Jesus, that we have this ministry, which is helping people conform to the image of Christ, which is the context of the previous chapter. You and I are in that business. Do you know that there are millions of people all around BC that are not living their lives in conformity to the image of Christ, to how they were created to be? And so you and I bear witness, not just as individuals, but as a community. So when people come and they hear the singing from this strip mall and they see, you know, cars showing up and parties going on outside and they're like, what is that? There's like, there is an image bearing nature to the church that says, this is who God is. And you can be a part of it. And it's the ultimate invitation to live the life that we were all created to be. And so it's this mercy and, but then it says, it says, we do not lose heart in verse 1. Jump to verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Now that obviously triggers us back to Genesis, where the first words out of God's mouth were actually creative and prophetic. He spoke something out of nothing. He prophetically declared it was the mission of God. He's, what did he say? Let there be light. That is what you and I, that, that is the mission of us. That's the mission of the church. Every time that you conduct your marriage in a way that doesn't conform to the patterns of the world, you're saying to every other marriage in society, let there be light. Every time you raise your kids convicted according to scripture and you, and you disciple people, you're saying, let there be light. Every time we start a church, a location, every time we do a meeting, a worship gathering, a connect group or whatever it is that we do, every time we gather together, you and I are prophetically saying, let there be light. The echo of God's mission has never stopped ever since he first said that. I don't know who you are. I don't know. Well, I know some of you, but I, but I don't know you as intimately. I'm just preaching now. I don't know you as intimately as what Jesus does and the circumstances that you face. But God wants you like a light on a hill. Both, again, individually and corporately. When we gather together, every time we say yes to God, there becomes more light and less darkness. Every time. And you need to exude this prophetic witness that God started in the beginning of time. Every time that you say yes to God, you're saying, let there be light. You don't have the power in and of yourself, but God wants to move his light through you. Just like John the Baptist, he said, I am not the light, but I bear witness to the light, the true light. Amen. Okay, so we set up the context, but we can lose heart. Because... There is everything coming against you bearing witness to the light of Jesus. Everything coming against you. And that is the day that the church is in. We are in these days, the persecuted days, the days of suffering and all of it. So, okay, I'm just going to finish the chapter. Made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. And you might be like, man, 
That sounds like a high call, Sam, to bear the light of Jesus. I kind of suck. I don't know if you know that. I'm not that special. Well, welcome to the party. I, like, I, I feel inadequate all the time. I feel like a, a jar of clay. But in our, inadequacies, in our inadequacies, God gets to reveal His strength. Because in this jar of clay, verse 7, to show. Somebody say, to show. So there's a purpose to your inadequacies. If you don't feel like you have what it takes... Welcome to the party. You are not meant to be perfect. God never called you to do that. In your weakness, He is made strong. It's to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. All the revival that happens through this church is is from God and not from us. Verse 8, we can relate to this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. I want to talk to some people today that might feel a little hard-pressed. You might feel a little persecuted. You might have stepped out and felt some pushback. You might feel struck down a little bit in life. Circumstances of life strike you down. And you might think, well, I don't want to complain, Sam, because my issues might seem like a little bit redundant or, or not that grand. No, no, no. Whatever your mountain is, is your mountain. Don't be looking at the person next to you and let's not go comparing problems. You got a problem, I got a problem, we got situations, but the Holy Spirit wants to move through any circumstance, any situation. And if you feel a little struck down and you feel a little bit perplexed in your circumstances, you're a human being. Okay, we always carry around in our body, verse 10, the death of Jesus, somebody say death, death of Jesus so that, so so there's a purpose of death, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And when you hear the word body, you should think both your body and the body. All right? So, for we are alive and always being given over to death. Well, that's not fun. (laughs) For we who are alive are always being given over to death. That's not what I signed up for. (laughs) For Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. That's a really interesting verse. Verse 12, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. Now, I'm not about to preach to you some sort of self-help message where you get the confession. You're just going to confess your way to positive thinking and positive living. No, no, no. We speak because we have a belief founded on something, and that's where the power is from. You don't get power just because you wake up, have your coffee, and decide to speak positively over your life. If you're hard-pressed, struck down, perplexed, and persecuted, looking in the mirror and say, come on, you can do it. Ain't got the power. You speak and you get to confess who you are in Jesus and run this race in order to win the prize because you are basing your confession of a belief system that is called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because we know that he wasn't just dead, didn't just go in a tomb, but he came out of that tomb and he rose again. The center uh, force, power, Everything comes from the resurrection. Read, that's 1 Corinthians 15. You can read it in your own time. I believe, therefore, I have spoken since we have the same spirit of faith. We also believe, therefore, we also speak. Because we know that the one, here it is, we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us 
present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit. C3? You mean everything I go through, all the crap that I've endured recently, or just the exhaustion that I'm going through is for my benefit? That sounds a little bit psychotic, doesn't it? Sometimes Christianity can feel that way. All this is for your benefit. So, so that, somebody say so that. There's a purpose to it again. So that the grace that is reaching more and more and more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. What if it means that the thing you and I go through is so that grace can reach more people through that camera, more people around this area that can reach more people across BC? There is a mission that God has for you and I, and it's something of an eternal weight to bring God's glory across planet earth because we know uh where i'm up to therefore again verse 16 don't lose heart though we're outwardly wasting away man i can relate to that sometimes yet inwardly be renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that vastly outweighs them all light and momentary hang on pastor sam it feels pretty heavy and permanent right now But the Bible gives us perspective, doesn't it? Because the last verse says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. So if you've been fixating on those bills, if you've been fixating on that diagnosis, if you've been fixating on whatever it is, that relational drama that seems to be holding you back from saying yes to God, it says, fix your eyes on eternity. Lift your eyes and see Thousands of generations from now that are going to benefit from your yes. All of a sudden, it starts to expand a perspective here that we realize, man, all this stuff. And what if you lived a lifetime of pressure? Would it even matter? The Bible in Acts calls us to bear witnesses of the Holy Spirit. And the word witness in the Greek is martyr. You and I literally become witnesses of the Holy Spirit by how we join in as as martyrs for Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm not diminishing what you're going through. And I'm not here to like just bulldoze and steamroll whatever it is that you've been going through lately. I want to relate to you. And together we can actually see that what we go through is for God's benefit. And I pray that by the end of this message that you and I would not lose heart and that we would be renewed by the Holy Spirit, renewed day by day. And this would be a renewing service for you to continually to say yes, even if you feel like you're inadequate, even if you feel like you're wasted away, even if you feel like you've gone through too much and you can't bear it and you're struck down and everything, that you and I would stand up again And say, for such a time as this, I'm going to say yes again. So, a story that I want to talk to you about, which was a particularly difficult period of our lives, was our first year church planning in Toronto, which was 10 years ago. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary. Oh, cool. Amen. But I feel like now that 10 years has passed, now that I can kind of talk about that first year. And so we're starting out. We moved over there with six other people. There are eight of us in Toronto. And it felt like a lot of pressure at the time to, you know, you feel the pressure as a church planner to see, see something come out of nothing. Let there be light. And we're like, man, I am aligning with what God wants to do. It is going to work out. God wants me to do this. I want to do it. Everything now, man, it's just because I'm saying yes to God and the things that, man, it is going to all work out and it didn't kind of happen that way. So I'll give you a few examples. So we 
wanted to find a space to rent. And finding a space to rent in downtown Toronto is not easy and just much like Vernon or anywhere where you're trying to find a space to rent because it's like you've got to align the stars, literally. It's like seven different things have to line up. It has to have weekly availability. has to be the right size. Can't be too big, can't be too small. It has to, you know, it has to be the right location. It has to be good management. It has to be the right budget. It has to hopefully have storage because, you know, that's, that would be beneficial. And all these different things. And as you're working through it, and, uh, and then so we went through 13 venues in the first year of our church plan. And this was just one circumstance where I felt inadequate as a leader. I'm like, what? I can't even get this together. Like just something as simple as, does that mean that, you know, like I was thinking really negative thoughts. This makes me unfollowable, that I can't actually problem solve something as basic as that. And you're like, oh, you know, I don't know, whatever. I might have been overthinking. It probably was. I overthink everything. And so, but we went, got through one venue at the end of all this. And five days before we moved in to this venue where I'd worked on this contract for quite some time, and it was going to be the venue that was going to answer all venues. And five days before we moved in, I get called into the manager's office and, and they said, listen, through your marketing, one of our investors who invests in, in our um, organization uh, got word that you were moving in as a church and they said that they were going to pull their investment out if a Christian organization like you rented from us, so we're actually canceling the contract. And then so I just felt like, what? That's discrimination. You can't do that. And I was like really mad, but again, feeling inadequate. But it's first year church plan, and it wasn't just that. I mean, how many people know that when you go through some hard times, sometimes it's like stacks on? So in our personal world, there was spiritual warfare because we planned to plant the church with our first kid in tow. But we were struggling to conceive. It took us two years to, Noah's now nine, um, and it took us two years to actually conceive Noah. And so we're trying to preach hope as church planners, but every single month we're doing these tests and Jess is collapsing on the floor and it's like a roller coaster. Anyone that's tried to, uh, you tried to conceive and it hasn't happened straight away, it feels like, man, and I'm, two years is nothing compared to what some people go through. But for us, it was... It was problematic. We're trying to lead. We're trying to preach hope. And we're doing these tests. And, you know, in the bathroom and everything, you're just collapsing. And, you, and, 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 it, and it felt very difficult. And we eventually do uh, conceive. And, and, and Noah, Noah's birthday is uh, December 25th, 2013. And just before my son was born, and my mom had never visited Canada because she had kidney problems, she was a dialyzing patient, all of a sudden, outside of all medical history that she had, and she had a kidney transplant for 25 years, at the age of 57 in 2013, in the first year of our church plant, she dropped into a coma because she had a cerebral aneurysm on December 18th, seven days before my son was born. And, and I didn't get to say goodbye to her. It was just an instant thing. And then on December 28th, 10 days later, they pull her off life support. And six days after, my son, and the reason why his name's Noah is because it means comfort and rest. Six days after he was born, I'm on a plane. I'm flying to Australia to, to bury my 57-year-old mom that I didn't get to say goodbye to. And I'm like, man, this is a huge distraction. I can, how can I worship you, God, right now? And I started going through a little bit of a crisis at the time, as in like, 
can I even believe all these things that I'm trying to preach right now? Because I felt like God had like pulled the rug right out from under me. I felt like, and you probably have felt like that at times. But how many people know when it rains, it pours? And so the first day, the first Sunday, even on that, and it's just these annoying distractions happen in spiritual warfare. And you just like want to pull your hair out. And, and the very day that we had our opening service, you know, I was believing God for 100 people. We ended up having 98. I thought that was persecution. But, um, but we get home and the furnace is broken. And it's like $3,500. But we're brand new church. We're broke. We had poured everything in. And this was in March and it's freezing in Toronto. It's not like over here where it's just paradise. And so, and it's just those annoying things, you know. But not only that, it was like, man, there was pastoral problems going on at church. This one, we, we, we had probably about 50 people in our church at the time. And, and we were dealing with pastoral problems in the middle of all this trying to conceive and venue things and all these problems. And I'm like, and this one particular person, honestly, like, was basically a sexual addicted maniac and would not keep it in his pants. And it was, and I, I know this might sound like too much information, but, but, it, but it was just so full on. And we got invited to go to a cottage with some friends. And it was kind of, we really needed this respite and we, uh, we really needed to get away and, and be renewed. Get a phone call from the police and this guy was already, we knew he was already sleeping with his girlfriend. And we, all, we found out he, while he was sleeping with his current girlfriend, he was also sleeping with his ex-girlfriend at the same time. Just seriously addicted dude. And we're trying to see him delivered and trying to help him. And we're feeling that sort of sense of Christian obligation. But really, I just needed to tell him, hey, I don't deal with other people's sin problems when I'm away on vacation. I need but we get a call from the police. And the police call me and he had sexually molested a girl on the rooftop of a school. And they, and they needed me to, like, intervene and, and get involved in this. And I, what I should have done is just said, oh, well, you're a police officer. You got this, right? Thank you. I'm away. But so we were dealing with this thing. But then it was kind of like rubbing salt in the wound because his girlfriend got pregnant. And it's like he just sneezed on his girl and she got pregnant. And, like, we're trying for, like, two years. And it was just like, what? This is annoying. And I go and confront him on his issues because I'm trying to, he asked me to marry them. I'm like, I'm not going to marry you, man. I'm not going to, you got to sort some stuff out in this engagement. If you, if you, this needs to be redeemed. You need to repent. And he's standing in front of me and he's smoking a cigarette. And because we just found out that he got his girlfriend pregnant, he said, oh, it must have been just the will of God then in this really smiteful way. And I'm like, no, there's something you need to understand about anatomy. You're... <laughs> Your body was created one way. Her body was created another way. Sometimes when you put it together, God, the way he created things just works out. All right. I'm not. Anyway. He blows the smoke in my face like that. So I got him in a headlock and need him in the fort. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so, no, I didn't. All in my head I did. God bless, God bless him. And honestly, I say all that to say, putting, putting aside, because he, he is an amazing child of God and has a purpose and a future in God. And I'm, I do, we do think about them from time to time and pray. But I'm saying all that to say, but sometimes you just feel like, man, I can't, I'm losing heart. I just don't know if I can keep saying yes the way I wanted to say yes. I just don't know if I can pick myself up again and keep going. And when all that happened, there's a place called University Avenue that crosses with Harbord Street and right downtown Toronto. And I remember the moment where I just gave up and I collapsed down on my knees. And it was the middle of the day and I just 
threw my hands out. I was by myself in the middle of this park and the roadways that go around and I just cry out to God and I'm like, I give up! I'm, I'm done! Like what? We're barely even out the gate. I can't hold anything together. We don't have a venue to meet in. My wife can't fall pregnant. People are sitting everywhere and judging me all the time. And I'm, I'm over it. Like, what am I meant to do? I didn't realize this was going to be so stinking difficult. And God just looked at me and he spoke these three things that I want to tell you, these three words. He said to me this, he said, he's, he spoke to my heart. He said, trust me, I'm building something in you for eternity. Something that is going to weigh up for eternity. And sometimes you need to speak. And these are the three things he said, and you can write these down because hopefully they'll encourage you. He said this, all pressure has a purpose. That's one thing he encouraged me with. He said, all pressure has purpose. The second thing he said is, death precedes life. That's the second thing he spoke to me. He's like, when it doesn't stop at death, it doesn't stop at this pain, it doesn't stop in the tomb. Death always precedes life. And the last thing he said is, I'm producing in you strength and courage. Same thing he spoke to Joshua. He said, I'm producing something in you. What, what, I was on the development process. And this is just one season of our journey. I can tell you a couple of others that are very similar. All pressure has a purpose. We have a really bad theology of suffering in Western Christianity. Western Christianity often teaches us of the eradication of suffering. But early Christianity, ancient Christianity, where we are from, teaches in the embracing of suffering. If you read Scripture, it does not talk about the eradication of suffering. And I think, I know that in our Western Christian churches, we set people up for a bad expectation because we tell them, hey, you're going to have God come in your life and then everything's going to work out. And it does. It does. That is the truth. But I think what people hear is, is that if you give your life over to Jesus, that there is going to be no problems. There is going to be no opposition no trials, no persecution, no adversity. It is, in fact, the opposite in this life. When you and I give ourselves over to Christ, the Bible says is we join in with His sufferings, and Philippians even says He gives us the gift of that persecution and that suffering. I know. We have a bad theology of suffering. And... Uh, and so you might feel, so, so all pressure has a purpose. It says, we always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that, so that there is a reason, whatever it is that you're facing, whatever it is, you, even, if, even if the biggest thing that's coming against you right now is just self-doubt, there is a reason that your head is all messed up the way it's messed up right now because God wants to show you that if He comes into that part of your world that He can bring His glory through that weakness to actually do something so much more powerful than you could if you just thought that you had it all together. This is good news for us. Keith Warrington says it like this when he, he writes on the theology of suffering and it's the whole point that we have the Holy Spirit. He said the promise of the Spirit was not that conflict would be eradicated the promise of the Spirit is that we would have the necessary resource 
to facilitate witness and that it would be made available to us. The whole purpose of the comforter is because you're freaking out. Why do you need the Prince of Peace unless you're in turmoil and chaos and war? You don't need peace if you're sitting on a couch eating Doritos. The theology of easy, when Jesus said, my my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that word easy means fitted. It doesn't mean the same definition that we think easy is. It it means when you say yes to God, there is a fitted, like a pair of shoes that's perfect for your feet. When you walk out the gospel, there is a purpose that is fitted for you, has your name on it, that's fitted for this church. And it's hard to say yes. And it's hard to put on those shoes. So what does Jesus do? He says, I take the yoke and it's graced when it's with me. So walk out the fitted call that God has for you. Don't say no to it. Don't lose heart in it. Keep saying yes in it. And God's grace is accompanying it with you. All these things, the hard pressed, persecuted, struck down and perplexed. All that happened on the cross. When they pressed the crown of thorns in Jesus, I'd say that's pretty hard pressed. When they put nine inch nails through his hands and feet, I'd say that's pretty hard pressed. If it wasn't for the suffering and for the persecution, Jesus wouldn't have even been put on the cross. He was absolutely persecuted. He was so struck down. Struck down all the way into the tomb. But there was a purpose to his struck downness is he removed the sting from death. That's the theology of the tomb. The tomb is the most hopeless place. Jesus faced the most hopeless place. Far far more hopeless than anything that we will ever face. And there might be someone under the sound of my voice that's just felt like, man, I've lost all hope and I'm done. I even want to end it. Whatever you face is not darker than the tomb of Jesus. And he was resurrected, struck down, not destroyed. And he was perplexed. He said, Father, why have you, he was confused on the cross. But he, but he wasn't led to the point of despair, to the point of complete, utter hopelessness. Amen. Just quickly, death precede, precedes life. So atheists believe that we live and then after we live, we die. That's it. For, that's a generalization. But basically life, life and then death. Christians believe death always comes before life. Death precedes life. And so whatever it is, don't lose heart. Whatever it is. And that verse that I read in verse 12, it says, So death is at work in us so that life can be at work in you. I want to encourage you again to consider what is something, are you willing to go through something again for the sake of life produced in someone else? What are you willing to let die in you so that life can become manifest in someone else. Every time you and I let minutes of our life die to our own selfish agenda, and we say, I'm going to be selfless for the sake of others, we let, we let because the enemy wants us to live completely selfless, selfish, carnal lives. The enemy wants you to use the, the resource that's available to you for you. The enemy constantly wants human beings to be gods in their own eyes. We become our self-worshippers. We become our self, we, we have idolatry all through the church because we constantly want to live for ourselves. 
But when you and I say, hang on a second, the minutes in my calendar that are available to me while I am breathing on this planet, I am going to let those minutes die to my own agenda so that they can come alive to God's agenda. We actually produce life in other people. Every time you let finances die to your own agenda and you decide to give and stretch. And I, even just recently, we had a vehicle stolen from out, the, out front of our house two months ago. Um, it was an expensive vehicle. It's the only brand new vehicle we've ever owned. And someone, someone duplicated our key fob and drove off with it at three in the morning. And, uh, and when we got the insurance payout, I remember having all these complainy, entitled thoughts. You know, oh, this is you know, such first world problems. And I remember complaining to God and feeling sorry for myself. And I just remember feeling so convicted and just turned to me and it's like, we need to take a portion of this money and we need to just give it to the house of God. We need to let, and so we did. So we wrote a check for $10,000 and I'm not telling you that to boast or anything. I'm just saying, I needed to make sure that my circumstances weren't preaching to me. A greater message about God. No, no, no. The Word of God preaches to my circumstances. I'm not going to let my circumstances tell me anything about God. Hey, and your circumstances will try and preach hard to you. They will try and say to you, hey, God doesn't have you. God doesn't see you. God doesn't acknowledge you. And He's not going to be there for you. Your circumstances will lie so bad to you. Your circumstances will try and tell you that God has forsaken you. That God will always look at that person across the other side of the room, but won't ever acknowledge you. Man, you never get a prophecy. Man, you've never got it. And you're not ever going to have it. Good. But what we need to do is we need to take the Word of God and we need to let it preach to our circumstances. Something needs to change and God doesn't change. Amen. And so we decided to position, let something die in us so that life can become manifest in someone else's world. And I know that more people will, will experience the kingdom of God than more of us that just actually say, you know what, I want to be a self-martyr for Jesus. I want to actually be in the ministry of death before life. I want to be in the ministry of saying, and I know it's hard. That's the whole point of this preach. And I'm just going to, I'm going to get the uh, keys up here at the end. God is asking you. God is asking you to let something die again. And you're like, I don't know if I can. I feel like I'm fading away. God is asking you to let something die again for the sake of His mission. Well, I've been doing this for 20 years. Well, what about 21. Well, I've been doing this for 30 years. Well, what about 30 more? God, see, we want to live a Christianity where we can only require of God. But that's not the Christianity of Scripture. We want to pray our prayers before God and we want to have all the requirements of God. God, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you do the other? But little do we understand that you and I are actually called to live under a God that requires of us. And while you and I are on our knees praying to God in heaven, would you move mightily on our behalf? God is on His knees in heaven praying to you, saying, would you move mightily on my behalf? And I got a sense that we're in a church of some people that are filled with faith, that are not losing heart, that are deciding again, you know what? There is actually a responsibility on me for the sake of the world to actually step up and continually saying yes. Doesn't diminish the fact that it's been hard doesn't diminish the fact that what you've gone through is so crazy and saying, I'm looking right at you because I believe that this message is speaking right at your heart. God doesn't want to diminish it. He wants to work through it. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't take the pain away. But as He works through it, Ali, 
there is a greater glorious testimony for your light and momentary troubles are producing for the kingdom. A glory that vastly, and I know you've had to go through some stuff. I know that you've had to face some stuff, but it's producing something. And Joshua was called to take a land of promise. And on that other side of the Jordan River, it meant battles, it meant giants, it meant fighting, it meant persecution, it meant hardship. And God said to him, hey, but I'm going to renew you. And I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you courage. So I prophesy that into you right now. Renewed strength. Just put your hands out right in front of you. Renewed strength. Renewed courage. More. There is more. I don't know if I can take more. You totally can take more. Because you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You have the, you have the resource. This church, there is more. There is more for you. And even the battles of yesterday are going to be a shadow of the battles that you're going to face. Well, don't preach that to me, Sam. I, I, I don't know. No, you can take more. Not in your own strength, only in God. God will never lead you through a temptation that you won't be able to bear. But if you're going through it, and God is right there with you. He doesn't always promise that He's going to take us out of the storm. He always promises that He's with us though. God is with you. What a great compliment your, your trial is. What a great compliment that pain is. What a great compliment that hardship has been. Because He trusts you. And He knows that you are someone in fact that will not step out of the race. You are someone in fact that are gonna keep pressing on. You are someone in fact that understand the maturity of what it means to be a Christian and you rejoice in those trials and you keep following God. You don't shrink back. You don't shy away. You don't turn to the left or to the right. You keep saying yes. And when you get out the other side, man, and that's why it's so good to be able to tell that first year in our church where I collapsed on University Avenue and I cried out to God because that wasn't the end of the story. We've seen nearly 10,000 people give their lives to Christ through the journey of our church over 10 years. Then you ask yourself, faith just makes so much more sense looking in the rear vision mirror. And so you ask me the question, hey Sam, would you go through all that again? Now that you know what what you've seen God and how He's moved and all the glory of God through the way, you know what my answer would be. Heck yeah. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just bow your head and close your eyes and for anybody watching online, the Holy Spirit is here. He's calling you. It's just, He's renewing in you right now. And there's just two things I want to do at the end here. The first thing is I want to invite you to respond and give your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus if that's something that you need to do. And then the second thing is I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Dave and we're just going to pray a prayer. We're going to stand together that the Holy Spirit will bring absolute renewal into your faith, into your faith system so that you will be able to not lose heart and continually say yes to God.
So the first thing, with every head bowed and every eye closed and people watching online, if you've never given your life to Jesus, today's the day. You were meant to live life with Him. Or maybe you've once made a decision to follow Jesus, but for any number of reasons, you've turned away from God and you know that you need to rededicate your life. So if that's you, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray a prayer together that invites Jesus into your heart or recommits your life to Jesus. It's a prayer of faith. We're gonna pray that together as a community. If there's anyone here today and you're like, yeah, you know what? I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to recommit my life to Jesus with nobody looking around. Can you slip up your hand so I can see it? If you're watching online, I'm believing that you're responding. Is there anybody here today? You're like, yeah, that's me. Thank you, I saw it. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else you're like, yeah, I need to recommit my life to Jesus or I need to commit my life to Jesus because I've never actually made that decision. One person responded here in the room and there could be people responding online. Is there anybody else? One more quick moment. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet, church? We're going to pray a prayer together as a community and we're going, to, we're going to stand in belief with this person that responded and there could be people responding online, but this is the greatest thing, the greatest decision. So just repeat these simple words after me with faith in your heart. Say this, say, Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross for me. Forgive me of my sin. I repent. Help me follow you as my Savior and my Lord. From this moment on, in your name, Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. Amen. The second thing, I just want to pray a prayer with you, and and then I'm going to give it back over to the man of the house here, Pastor Dave. And honestly, it's such a privilege to be here. Josiah, Kim, as location pastors of Vernon, and Dave and Kim, just the apostles of this house. That's why I started. The anointing here is so strong. God knows what you've done, the pressing that you've gone through. And I feel like that this was just a moment of perfect timing for you to be encouraged to continually say yes. And notice I'm not promising you an easy life. I'm actually kind of suggesting the opposite. But I know that I'm standing with a a cloud of witnesses of people that are built for it. And I just want you to, as we pray this prayer, I want you to think of, in an evangelistic way, of all the thousands of other people outside churches in these areas that don't know the message of hope like you know the message of hope. They don't carry the light of Jesus like you carry the light of Jesus. I want you to think about them. And let me ask you the question under the Holy Spirit, what would you endure for them to come to know God? And I believe what I'm hearing on the inside of your heart is anything. Just ask. It's for the sake of eternity. Anything. Fix your eyes on eternity. Anything. You know, you're going to die one day. You're not going to take that car to heaven. Ecclesiastes says, naked we came and naked we're going. That sounds fun, doesn't it? But God is calling you calling you, calling you. So close your eyes. Holy Spirit, it is hard sometimes. Holy Spirit, the pains, 
and the sufferings and the pressures. There's a purity of spirit here in this room because we are, we are people that want to say yes. We're people that in the best of times, we're so grateful to be able to walk this life with you in partnership with you, Jesus. But if we were to be honest, man, sometimes I just feel like I'm fading away. In the dark of those nights, sometimes I feel isolated and I feel struck down. The perplexing confusion of trying to work it out in my own strength, it's exhausting. So right now we surrender all. Like that moment where I collapsed on University Avenue, we bow our knee, we bend our knee and we surrender to you and we say, Jesus, in your strength, we say yes. We fix our eyes on you and would you renew us, Holy Spirit. Renew us for the days ahead. Renew us for the decisions ahead. Renew us for the seasons ahead. Renew us to continually say yes to the things of God. And everybody said, amen. Thanks, Pastor. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.